nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, very ill, fun-filled, live, not live, whatever it is, edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. <laughs> <laughs> the antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name's... <coughs> My name's Paul Carmichael, and I'm extremely unwell. We've I both got the Guatemalan death flu, haven't we? We have. It's... We have indeed. But oh, um, the purpose of convening is uh, Tom Baker 90 today. Tom Baker is astonishing. 90. Absolutely oh, my astonishing. Wonderful. Absolutely. Now, here's the yeah. thing, you see, that does it as a bugbear for me. I'm the, Well, there's a personal element, of course, um, which is that I noticed this year, again, I've been left off the honours list. Well. Always, always rankles. And that fellow, that, that fellow that's nicked your life, he's really excelled today. He has, hasn't he? He really has. Mm, not happy with him. For anyway. Anyone, anyone who's listening, we're talking about Dr. Matthew Sweet, the man who has somehow inveigled the life designed for Mr. Carmichael. Somehow How's he's got it. it. How's he done that? I mean, this is a man who was basically just, what, most of last year he spent watching Crossroads, making money he's... from that for charity. Fair enough, I would have done it for myself, but... Uh... Now he's in those cool photos with Tom. With Tom, absolutely. The best thing I can manage is a photo from 1997, but I'm wearing a T-shirt with Matt Lucas's face and the phrase, you fat cow, on it. So it's not quite the same, really. I wouldn't have no, that now. it's definitely not, because those photos, I think they were the Radio Times shoot a couple mm, of months they back. They are, yes. And they're very um, sort of evocative of the, Terry, the famous uh, Terry Nation photos, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, mm. good. Well done, Matthew. I'm glad for you that you've got mm. those. And I Mate, as the same witness, they've got a thing in witness, right, where you add yeah. this noise to the end of a phrase and it means you don't me- mean it. So you go, yeah. you go, right. I know right. it's a peculiarity around here. And if you if, if someone shows you something and you want to sort of mock it, you'd go, oh, yeah, dead good. Where's that come from? Well, I mean, it might not just be witness. Do right. I've, I've never if, heard if this of is it. Nation. No, no, no. Witness has some peculiarities with, like, well, everywhere it does, but... That's the one I remember from round here. So, um, if so much shit, you'd say buzzing. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, the point would be that you would say to Dr. Sweet, you know, about these Tom Baker photos, you would say, if you were from Witness, oh, yeah, made up for you. Oh, right, okay. Do you see? Right, I shall have to practice this sound. It's a bit like the noise that you'd make if you couldn't quite call your sheepdog back, isn't it? Yeah. What was That's his name, that smashing big fella who used to do One Man and His Dog? Oh. Was it Jeff something, I think? I don't know. In my head, it's Freddie Truman, but fatter. Yeah, because Freddie Truman was indoor league, wasn't he? Yes. Wonderful. I love the indoor he league. He used to turn up on things like Give Us a Clue, though, didn't he? I haven't seen Freddie Truman on that yet. There's he used been to a do stuff. few odd people, though. He used to do stuff up. like that, though, didn't he? That's how I knew him. Because in your yeah. league, I weren't old enough like for that. I wish no, I that started in '72, I think. I mean, yeah. I've got a couple of the DVDs Network released. God, they're good. They are, are they? wonderful things. <laughs> oh, they really are. I absolutely adore the Indoorly. It's a bit, it, again, it's a guilty pleasure because there is that part of me that's going, oh, I shouldn't be watching this. It's not only ITV, it's proper common ITV. You're allowed so, in. Yes, I've, I've somehow broken into the premises. But I'll tell you what I have noticed this week, which is absolutely lovely, and this would never happen on a BBC show. No. On Give Us a Clue, 
Right. I'm up to the episode shown now in 1981. So we're about three, three and a half years in. And the set's a bit dilapidated. So now there's a new thing that they do at the end of each episode. When the camera moves along, they go, and thank you to Peter Davison and Kenny Everett. And on each one, they rip part of the seat off and wave with it. So it's just become a thing, which is the set's falling to pieces. Let's just show that it's really falling to bits. I think I kind of remember that. It's lovely that they Mm. do that. BBC wouldn't have allowed that. Oh, gosh, no. Licence fee payers' money. Precisely. So did Tom Baker ever do a give us a clue? I'm guessing not. I've not found him. I have just watched one from uh, September 1981, which has got... uh, Who's on there? So your gentleman's panel consists, of course, of Lionel Blair, Geoffrey uh, Geoffrey Hayes from Rainbow, and then Peter Davison and John Pertwee. Oh. Wow. Isn't that That's serious. On the ladies' side... Who have you got? You've got well, you've got Sandra Dickinson. Um, you've got Leslie Judd. You would have Sandra Dickinson then, uh, that period, wouldn't you? You, you would. Leslie actually. Judd. Yes. Leslie Judd. Uh, and I can't remember who the other lady was with Una that day. Lady. Uh, yeah, another lady. But um, yeah, oh, it's wonderful stuff. Absolutely well, magnificent. Guilty pleasures all round. Someone's give us the flu. Never mind. Give us a clue. Yes, they have. So. We are manfully carrying on. And we're we gonna, are. We're going to talk about Sean Baker, if it's the we last are. thing I do today. Yes. His voice is the thing, isn't it? I mean, before you even sort of knew him, I remember he was on something like a Martin Doors commercial or mm. Ramblers mm. or something like that. And I knew that voice, really. And I kind of yeah. knew him more as a personality um, in the 70s. He was still just Doctor Who, but he was sort of like, mm. not Tom Baker, it was Doctor Who, you know what I mean? Absolutely, they're kind of indistinguishable. Uh, when, when, How old were you when you first remember encountering Tom then? How old would you have been? I want to say it's that Disney time that he did, but isn't no, that like that? 76? 76, that is, 1976. Yeah, I used to love Disney time mm. on a bank hall. I'm guessing yeah. all kids did. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm, I'm quite... I'm, I'm sort of certain I remember that, but I... But I remember hating the Mickey Mouse Club because that was an imported show. And at the right. So first of all, right, yeah. what you had was there were children on television. And as a child, I thoroughly disapproved of children on television. That angered me. Um, and, yeah. they were, and they were American children. That didn't sit well. And then at the end, not unlike Give Us a Clue, the camera pans around them and they're all meant to say something down the lens. And I remember one lad sat there with his twatty Mickey Mouse ears on and he looked down the lens and he went, Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? And I think that was the first time I ever hated anyone on television. I just remember thinking, no, die. And I think it was die. <laughs> I would have been about three. I think it, oh, I think it's, I think it's healthy for you to let this poison out. I think so, yes. It's I been there for a long so. time. That, that's, nearly 50 that's years. Nearly 50 years of hate. Yeah. You know, you might, you might meet that chap now and, you know, um, and get along. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. No, when the hatred is there, the hatred is pure with these sort of people on television. I'll give you another example, right? There's a series on at the moment, so you won't have seen it, called The Traitors, right? I've heard a lot of people going on about it. I don't know what it is. Not watchable. It sounds like um, like episode three of a Hartnell serial. Imagine, you know the game Wink Murder? What? Wink Murder. 
No. You know, where you wink at someone, you've got a circle of people to party this is the Yeah, but this is what you did in your Protestant Edwardian no, this isn't rooms. unusual wink murder. Surely to God you no, sit no, no, in a... No, 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 we had kaplunk in our house. That's what came out after tea. Well, you didn't need to bring anything out for wink murder. It's a parlour game. You simply play it together. Yeah, so what would happen... has to pass a lot of cultural knowledge to, to play a, a parlour game involving well, uh, uh, characters from Christie. You don't, right. So all you do is you'd sit in a circle, okay, mm. and you're all looking at each other, and one of you, basically, without letting anybody else see, you have to wink, right? And if I catch you with the wink, then about ten seconds later you have to do a dramatic death, and then everyone else goes, all right, no, this, did this, the wink? No, this, this, this is, is so much, like, exhibitionism that if you did something like that in the world I come from, you would be, and I think, quite rightfully beaten. <laughs> That's just like, you know, everyone look at me. Well, it's just a parlour game. Uh, Not not when it's framed through the working class brain, (laughs) boy. Well, you're fucking showing off again. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, there'd be no winking. Anyway, look, so the traitors is basically like wink murder, but drawn out into a game show thing with members of the public taking part. This sounds like... Shit! This just sounds. Oh, shit. It sounds hateful. like in the Krypton Factor. Mm. Oh, who done it? Well, it's like that, but then you know people have got to be a bit duplicitous and try and get away with it. But there's a lad in there, and he's ginger, and I hate him so much. <laughs> I can't explain how much I hate <laughs> this human being. He's just, and he's there going on about. Well, my strategy is I'm going to pretend that. I, oh, fuck off! Awful! No, dreadful man! What on earth is this sort of? Upside down alternate reality that you, you're talking about. I it's don't a know. reality show. I mean, it's a sort oh, it's of a, a reality real- show. Well, it well no, it's a sort of a game show, right? All these people they go to a castle in Scotland, and Claudia Winkleman walks around a table with them all got blindfolds oh. on, and she taps taps three of them on the shoulder and goes, "Right now, you're a traitor." Oh. Then during during the day, right, they do sort of like I don't know bungee jumping or kayaking and then each night these three people who've been chosen go right tonight we're going to murder that person that person then gets an envelope that says you've been murdered and they go home hey it's bloody successful it It sounds like one of tim's drama games doesn't it it does actually i I just see tim doing it yeah something like that but it's of course eating up the budgets that could be spent on drama and comedy so therefore no it's drama and comedy that's because everybody is common well, people do want it, but they're not given it. Right, exactly. Because the majority of people who are common decide they don't want to watch it. They, but they watch that kind of rubbish you're talking about. Well, exactly. It might not because be rubbish. I've never seen it. It is rubbish. It's complete it rubbish. rubbish. And, and the problem is, of course, if you don't give people nourishing stuff, they'll get used to it. If you just go, well, there's a bag of shit. And they go, oh, lovely. Have you got mm. anything apart from the bag of shit? No, shit or nothing. Oh, mm. I'll take the shit then. That doesn't mean that shit is good. I just what? watch DVDs. I think that's better, isn't it? You know, so you're all right then. Yeah, but I've watched... Yes, yeah, sorry, go on. Yes, Tom Baker. Tom Baker, Tom Baker. Yes. Seeing as we're here. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, first memory. Okay, yeah. covered that. He was kind yeah. of just there. Um, See, for me, Tom. right, my first memory of Tom, and I can place this accurately, 6th of January, 1979, Okay. So I would have been three and a half, and we're just we just had Christmas. Nice, lovely, 
Lovely. And then the first, I presume it would have been, would it have been the first, second, no, the second Saturday after Christmas, sitting down, that's the first time I saw Doctor Who. But not just Doctor Who. This is a Doctor Who that you've got Tom and you've got lovely Mary Tam. Oh. Mm. But on top of that, on top of Mary Tam, yeah. you've you've got uh, Glyn Owen, you've got Philip right. Maddock, you've got Neil McCarthy, and you've got John Abinuri, oh. right? And the episode starts with a massive tentacle bursting through a pipe and dragging someone to their death. So I'm like, huh! And the episode ends with Kroll, the giant squid, arising from the depths, and Tom looking at it. And if you look at it now, he mutters something. He just sort of... There's no audio. He just goes... And it looks like he's saying fucking hell. And I'm not convinced that he's not. Wow. I think it's worth having a look at that. Power of Kroll, episode three. I was just... And it's fascinating, isn't it? Because Tom, in that point, 79, well, would have shot in 78, was already becoming a bit difficult on the show. Mm. So he's not giving a very friendly performance at all. There's there's nothing warm to him. So I don't know why I was drawn to this person so much. I think I was so scared of him that I didn't dare <laughs> not watch, if that makes sense. I think that young lads like gruff older chaps in stuff. Mm. I mean it's not I don't know I don't know with Telly now. I've no idea. Um but I'm guessing they don't have that in sort of kids' programs now because I'm just basing that entirely due to the fact that they've kind of cast younger and younger for Doctor Who. Mm. So he's become kind of like your mate. Um, yeah. yeah. Though the new guy is the most doctory doctor they've had since they brought it back. Oh, absolutely. I think the new guy's brilliant. But he is yeah. young. He's not, you know, yeah, like yeah, he would But he's more, I mean, when you watch that Christmas Day... When you saw Shooty running across the roofs and not, the energy there, it was kind of like very doctory. But well, we used to get sort of John Pertwee awkwardly doing his dad run, didn't we? You know what I mean? Yes. And yeah. um, the back of his kex looking very square. I always no, assumed right, it was yeah. that thing he wore for his back or summer, you know? Oh, yeah, because his back was a right bugger for him, wasn't it? Yeah, so I'm presuming they don't have that sort of craggy, older uh, type of casting now. No, not really. But then I don't think that you get that craggy older casting in anything. I mean, it's if if John Thor was still alive, I don't think he'd be getting leads. No, no, no. Because... I'm saying I, I base my opinion that the whole of television doesn't it's do changed. that. Yeah. Just no, on, no, no. Just on my observation with Doctor Who, I've no idea. No, no. I think I think you're right. I can't yeah. think of anything currently on where you know you're basically going to see like Mitch or someone. You know, one of those standard John the Thor Stone characters. Tape. The stone tape, Michael Bryant. Get me Tokyo out. on the line. Yeah, you don't you, get those people. You don't I'm get them. Well, I'm, I'm sure you do, but... Um, not I don't on know telly, not on drama. If it's on telly. But, no. um, yeah, Tom, um, I remember very well as Sherlock Holmes. I remember that because I was obsessed with Sherlock Holmes as a yeah. kid. Um, and my mum loved him in Medics. He was great in that. Now, Medics confused me, because that was 1992 when that mm. started, which that was, that was a, and it was horribilous for me, 1992. It wasn't a nice year, that. That was the year that my, my granddad passed mm. away and all that sort of stuff. So to see that there was something coming on with Tom Baker, I thought, oh, lovely. Yeah. But then, of course, it was Tom not being 
Tom. It was Tom. I being... don't think he can ever, ever tie that character, that personality of his away. It just, it's in his eyes. I mean, oh, when he it speaks, is there. It's in his eyes. Yeah, I mean, um, there was plenty of times when he's towering over Sue Johnson and you get the eyes. But there was a part of me that just said, just let him off the lead. Just a bit, let him go. But let he him weren't play. doing that. He weren't doing that until I would say Little Britain freed Tom up to be totally Tom. Um, I, of course, he did. Uh, have I got news have for I got you? news for you? In 99, wasn't it? And yeah. I think that what. Because the mainstream of uh, the industry hadn't tended to use him. Mm. I think that as all the people who, like us, but not us because we didn't make anything of our lives, boy. No. <laughs> but as they sort of rose through the ranks of industry, yeah. he said himself they started employing him. And yeah. I think that those people sort of, and the, uh, uh, the conventions, the magazine interviews and all that, he sort of slowly, you know, became Tom. So I'm going to revise my opinion again. I think okay. that by the time... He brought out, and I had to buy the uh, cassette when it came out of, oh. of him reading uh, "Who on Earth Is Tom Baker?" Wonderful. So I think by the time he wrote his autobiography, which I think was '96, is that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think he was comfortable with just being the man in in public that he actually mm. was privately. I, I think that there was that. Oh, hang on, this might be marketable. <coughs> Uh, I think if you're going to release that book, then there was no holding back, really, on, on who he really was. Mm -hmm. Because you get the wonderful story, of course, when he marries into the Wheatcroft family. And mm -hmm. he loses his marbles oh. one day and uh, openly admits trying to kill his mother-in-law by throwing rakes at her. Hose. Hose, that's it. Yeah. And then there's that moment where she bends down and farts. Well, and turns um, around uh, and goes, and you're common the, as well. He throws the hose at her, doesn't he? Yeah. You know what I mean? And as she bent down to pick one up, she ripped off a tremendous fart. <laughs> and he says she straightened straight up, doesn't he? And she said, you're common and disgusting. Yes. As if it were me who'd farted. <laughs> yeah, it's that line. It's, but it's the pause as well, the, the comedy timing. You're, you're common and disgusting. As if it were me who'd farted. Yeah. And, and then he gives it a breath again. And yeah, that... that um, that whole thing, that whole bulk. I mean, to get mm. him, why that has not been released on um, CD is beyond me. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad I digitized the tape, but yes. Um, yes, it does so, need to release that one. So, so oh, I think yes. that he'd become comfortable with sort of a persona that had been fertilized, nourished, and grown in, you know, all these dark bars and pubs around Soho. Well, I mean, that's, that's it, the fascinating double life he led when he was Doctor Who because, you know, if you know the geography of London, Soho's mm. here and you only cross over the road and then there's Broadcasting House and whatnot and you're not yeah. far from TVC and stuff. So, and he loved his cabs, didn't he? I mean, it's a very loved short his cabs. cab ride. Boof. And he used to carry a toothbrush around with him, didn't he? Yeah. Because he never knew where he'd be sleeping. But as I recall in the in the book, it talks about how he had a room somewhere in Soho known as Baker's Shagging Cabin. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Is, well, it's all in A Life in the Day of Tom Baker, which I think... Is this the Sunday Times? It tells you at the bottom, doesn't it? It is. It's something. It, it's Glasses are on. Oh, it's merely for the aesthetic, dear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but is it this, the correspondent? Geoffrey uh, Bernard talks to Doctor Who, hmm. photographed by Kenneth Griffith. Now, I don't know if that's the actor, Kenneth Griffith. 
kind of oh, I don't boyfriend. know. I don't you know, know, he was an interesting character, wasn't he? In real he life, he was a divisive figure. Yes. Um, but it, it's it's fantastic. I woke up at 5.15am in a brown cork-lined room in Soho and then got into bed. Yes. He woke up and then got into bed. So yeah. this is like 1977, 78, isn't it? Ooh. A day in the a life in the day. This is the same time, though, that he's doing Doctor Who. Yeah. So it, it was kind of, he's always saying, isn't he? He didn't drink in public. He didn't smoke in public. Didn't smoke, didn't swear in public. Absolutely. But if one knew where to look. Then you would find the, it. The other side of Tommy's ear, he's very honest in it. He's oh, there's a wonderful honest, documentary which is online somewhere, uh, A Day in the Life, uh, which is Jeffrey Bernard's documentary. Uh, I'd love to and find that. Is that online now? It, I think it is. If not, I shall send it to you. I found it a while oh, ago. Oh, wow. Um, where Jeff goes into the coach and on on his narrative he goes, there's Tom Baker holding court. Yeah. And Tom's there letting rip to the public in the coach. I mean, Does he say uh, something about he clocks in at five or something? That's right, yeah. He's, he but, makes a comment like that. But you look around the coach. Oh, the people in there. I mean, to have gone there, to have been there, before it was now basically a hummus bath, which is what it seems to have become. Yeah, it's a veggie but, pub, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but back then, to have wandered in, Jeff's there, Tom's there. Oh. Francis Bacon. Oh. The waiters all loved Francis. He'd carry a lavatory roll of 50s. Yes. Oh, and he says he'd times. give way as tips that would pay off the mortgages. Mm. I think for me, so 79, so I was three and a half. That's when I first saw Tom in action in any way at all. But it's interesting just, that this whoa. became the public persona. Yes. The sort it of, is. you know, oh, my sweet potatoes mm. and all that stuff he was doing on um, Little Britain. Because yeah. it's that renaissance that comes from the book, in it. You know, he's doing Have I Got News For You. It is, but it was always there. That's the thing. I mean, it's it says an awful lot that he could publish something like that. Something like that could be published about him. Whilst he's playing basically the lead in what was, you know, basically a kid's show. But nobody minded. Because I think, once again, and I, I put so much down to social media, but I think that what you get there is that the, the ability to have a private life, the ability mm. to have political opinions, and they weren't public property mm. back then. You know, he could be Doctor Who, and he was careful about how he was around kids, but when he went to the coach, up yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. Up or to the him. French or any of them. Uh, the or the pills. colony room, which he brings up in that. Excellent, yes. excellent piece. Um, yes. It's a wonderful piece. We should put that on the Twitter feed when we put this out, actually. So people I'm sure millions will have tweeted it today. I, I, oh, they will have done, but it's it, it's worth reading over and over again. Oh, yeah, but I mean, th but that persona was kept mm. hidden, and then it's it's strange, isn't it? It's kind of like as soon as the kiddos who watched him they come of age, he's like, now you're ready for this side, really, and the real Tom, the real yes. Tom, um, mm. and yeah, Little Britain. That just cements it, doesn't it? I think between the book and Little Britain, I think he did Randall and Hopkirk Deceased with Vicky. Yes, Bob. he did. Yeah. Which is, that's a yeah. fascinating little programme, the remake of Randall and Hopkirk. Yeah, I've not watched um, it since it was on. I'm, I'm, I've got them on DVD, right? And to me, I never understood the casting. I thought Reeves and Mortimer should have been the other way around. I thought that mm. it would have made a lot more sense yeah. for Mortimer yeah, yeah. to have had the Kenneth Cope part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, in, in every way, it just seemed to work more like that. But for, what was his name in it? Tom Baker, Wyvern. I mm. think it was Wyvern. Yeah. Um, to have him appear, you know, and I think that was Saturday night's BBC One. Mm. Oh, that was a treat. That was a yeah. real treat. But again, it's people like Jim Moyer and, uh, and Bob, you know, and they're actually, they will have remembered Tom from their youth. Oh, he brought totally. him back. A bit like the group um, Manson. I think it was on their album oh, yeah, Six. that's right. There's another one. Where you've got that wonderful yeah. Tom spoken word thing. And of course, these days, we're so used to things which are instrumentation mixed with spoken word. It was very unusual back then to actually get this beautiful narrative. You know, all my life. Mm -hmm. I've Just this rambling narrative. I think the album's called Six. I think it's their second album. God, it's good. Manson were good, though. They were. They were really top band, mm. really top band. I wonder if they're yeah. still going. I've not heard anything of them. I know of the two albums. I think the first one was Attack of the Green Lantern. Then mm -hmm. you get six, and I nothing after that, nothing at all. Wide Open Space is such a track. It's a wonderful uh, and uh, what, what's the one? Uh, the Stripper Vicar. Yeah. Uh, when the vicar strips, he gets away with it. It's just, oh, I love. Oh, there were loads of great bands around then, though. There were Super Furry Animals, stuff like mm. that. That mm. album, Radiator, was out about that time. That's fantastic. Mm. With Mr. Frizzell and Martin yes. and uh, Simon, they're all on it. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yes, so, uh, have you got out oh, nice this week? We'll have to find more to talk. I can't think today, mate. I'm this, having trouble to think. Well, I mean, the only other thing I can think of is that, of course, you know, I mean, with the old collecting of stuff, when it comes to Tom, and I've, I've gone through, we've gone through these before, but to me... Um, you know, because there wasn't much about that you could buy merchandise-wise apart from books and a couple of records. So for me, obviously, with Tom, it's always going to be this. It's the mm. genesis of the Daleks LP, which is, um, if, if nothing else, this is an exercise in beautiful editing because the full story is, it's a very visual piece of television running for two and a half hours and somehow Derek... Where is he? Where are you, Derek? Derek Goom. I love that name. Goom. Not Groom. Goom. Derek Goom somehow took two and a half hours of very visual telly, edited it down into an album that works as radio with Tom's wonderful narrative. So and there's, I did... there's Lincoln narration oh, yes. is, is new on it. I've got it, but I only bought it like last year, so I've never listened oh, it, to it. It's wonderful. And it starts it starts with Tom's narrative. I stepped from the TARDIS into a bleak wasteland. And it's just you're straight in there with that. And I used to insist that this was played in the car when we used to go on caravan holidays. My poor parents like, oh no, not this again. But um that was that was magnificent. Um so nice things. Well I've been watching films, Michael. Oh I've actually thought I shall watch some films. They aren't the most modern of films, I admit. So Go on, then. What are they? Right. So, what I got hold of, first of all, um, is one of our aircraft is missing. Yeah, that's one for the teenagers. It, 1942. Oh, this is magnificent. Go on, talk me through it. I've not seen it. Okay, one of our aircraft is missing, which features um, Hugh Burden who turns up as uh, Channing in Spearhead from Space. Um, so basically, uh, it's um, about a Wellington bomber uh, that gets shot down uh, in Holland, and then the crew have to be hidden from the Nazis and get back to Blighty. 
And that's the story. Now, it's shot in 42. It is pure propaganda. Um, absolutely wonderful stuff with Googie Withers. I love a bit of Googie Withers. Um, playing the leader of the Dutch resistance, who makes it quite clear at the end. They've got a couple of Germans who have been knocked unconscious. She makes it very clear that they are going to be shot. You don't see it, of course, but it's like, no, that's going to happen, which would have been well, absolutely course, fine back then. Yeah. Cherries. Yeah, um, I do love the fact that, of course, these days we have to warn people of everything. So you've got the, the PG thing at the bottom, which warns you that this contains discriminatory behaviour. Well, it's a war film. And yeah. a rude gesture. Just in case you need to know this, which is at one point someone does that, flicks the Vs. Oh, get so, so we've got a warning about that. That film, so um, it's a Powell and Pressburger. It's... Oh, it's beautiful stuff. That so I watched that uh, last week with my eldest. We're going through a bit of a, a phase with these things. And today is mm. going to be Went the Day Well. Ah. In which, again, I think that's 42 as well. Again, pure propaganda. Um, in which um, it's, it's a warning to British citizens to remain ever alert for the arrival of the enemy. Uh, in which a group of Nazis somehow get into a quintessential English village and then get murdered by the inhabitants. Oh. That's, well, there that's you go. That's rousing really, stuff. It is. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm working my way through some lovely sort of like World War Two stuff. I will come to the more modern stuff. Well, actually. I got that. Look at this. Twenty four ninety nine. What, what you Entire got? Kubrick on Blu-ray. Oh, you got it. Lovely. I did. God, I did. I mean, so I've got the five one system in now. Five one. Step mm. into the nineties. Mm. Um, thanks to Mark, uh, and also thanks to Mark. The where is me and I, can, I never can go. do this. Hang on. Oh bollocks! You can see it there. there. there well, you're you pointing at the sign. You well, can't actually see that that's a TARDIS painted cupboard, can you? You can't at all, mate. No, no I'm afraid. But no. So for the benefits of those of you me. just listening who do give a shit, uh, behind yeah. Mike, you've now basically got your own TARDIS, haven't you? It's, a, it's the yeah, cupboard. It's the cupboard, but it's painted in TARDIS blue, thanks to... And it's all Mike Rymel's fault. It is, actually. Because, uh, yes. you know, it was kind of, It was inspiring to be in his workshop, wasn't it? It was. Um, and see all this stuff. And, and to be honest with you, it was Mark as well, Mither, and he was like, oh, that cupboard would make a... And I was just like... Oh, you know, I, I'm sort of, I'm so, I just give in with things. And thus, they're always right, these people. Yes, absolutely. They're always right, but it was just like, anyway, it's yeah. done. Why it not? was, But I get so in the reeds on decorating, like, I really mm. do. You know, with the two brushes and... And making sure it's the edging, it drives me insane, man. Well, that house for you, it really is like painting the fourth bridge, isn't it? Honestly, it's got to stop. But it won't, it'll never stop. It will stop. Once I've done the holsters and landing in the kitchen, I'm done. Really? Yeah. That's the whole house done. It's not, though, is it? The loft? Oh, no, 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 no. no. It's fine. It's fine. No. It's had a coat of Egyptian cotton recently. That's all it, it needs. It just needs tidying up. Okay. Because it's just like everything gets slung up there. And that'll be it. You're not going to decorate it. You're not going no. to do anything with it. No. I'll probably we'll sell see. it then, won't I? Well, you and, might. And that, do, yeah. that, to be honest, is the thing when I think about moving that really um, I don't like the sound because you know you'd have to do it all again. Yeah. And is this sort of your life is just like Sisyphus, just constantly roaming the land, decorating? Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm. I mean, they don't bother in survivors. They just find a new place and they just crack on. Well, that's probably because, you know, George Baker's trying to shoot them and things. I mean, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, let, let's do the decorating before George turns up. Watch that one last night, because it's, it's the law when you're ill to yes. watch Survivors. You've you have to, to watch Survivors. You just have to. Uh, started watching it again last night, and it's like, maybe because I'm ill and I'm able mm. to focus more on stuff, I don't know. Anyway, there are a few moments watching it, because I kind of watch it, a lot of the reason I watch it is because I enjoy the VT look of it. I enjoy seeing those fashions, those cars, mm. those times, you know. So I kind of view it more at that level, but there was a few times watching it when I just got into the drama of it. You know when the little guy, Mick, turns up? He's about eight or nine year old, isn't he? That's the, it, yeah. The famous child actor whose name I can't remember. Keith Jane. Thank you. Well, um, you and he talks about, you know, losing his family and stuff. And it... Mm. It's just like the drama of it is. It's just like, hang on a minute. Because what's always great, good drama, not always, but a mm. lot of good drama can take a huge event, in this case, nothing bigger, mm. and then tell the story from a personal level, through personal mm. stories. That's how it works, isn't it? You know, that's yeah. no point just showing us newsreel footage and Churchill and whatnot. You know, you want to hear about the families losing loved ones and stuff. And that brings for the viewer it makes it much much more immediate and real and relatable. absolutely yeah so when that when he's talking about losing his parent and it's just like and you and then uh dennis lil <laughs> and charles <laughs> <laughs> then goes on to sort Terrible of night guys oh, dead for a seat. <laughs> um, when he goes on to sort of try and ground abby mm. um who's wanting to find a son yeah. And saying that he's never known a single two members of a family survive or two mm. people two people who would even knew each other. Yeah. It's like okay. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. But then for me it's the fact that it's on VT, which mm. I've always loved that look. Okay, mm. which I mean will bring me to the to the other nice thing that I can talk about in a moment, which is which is this. But we'll talk about this in a moment. Mm. Um yes. Um but for me, that you know, it's the immediacy VT because color videotape, six two five line videotape, looks like you could have just shot it now. It looks like news footage, which is why it's so transportative because you're looking at things that look, to my eye, as though they are brand new. But now we're talking about stuff that's over fifty years old in some cases, and then you can look at it and go, "Oh God, it's none of them left," and yet they look mm. so young. The the earliest. Um, Doctor Who, as we're talking about Tom, that I can think of that uh, that applies to, is the first episode of the Ambassador of Ambassadors of Death. <laughs> get my teeth in, um, which is on its original colour tape. But then oh. Pertwee's dead, Caroline John's dead, oh, no. Nicholas Courtney, Ronnie Allen, John, John Abernerry, all these people no longer with us, but they look so young and fresh, and it's not filmed, so it looks like they're just just there, and you can just about touch them. And even with Give Us a Clue, there was one the other day when... And we're uh, back. Well, we're back, back with Give Us a Clue. It is an obsession now. The only person alive from that episode is Michael Aspel. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting it. Una's gone. Una's gone. Which is just... You look at Una in those and you go, Oh, hello, Una. Uh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> she died of old age, mate. That's exactly... She should have lived long. How long did she live then? What? She, 84. 
Oh, that's not re- I thought you were meaning like approaching the century. No, uh, well, I'll, oh, but I'll tell you what. Okay, one of these things I've got, you know, I've, I've taken all the bollocks apps off my phone, which I did a few months ago, so I don't wish to be bothered by modernity now. I do, however, have a couple of settings uh, on the phone, so I get news alerts for very specific things, so specific that I never get news alerts. One of those is Crossroads. I got a Crossroads news alert, right? Go ahead. This is an actress... Charmian Err. Now, Charmian Err, when you you won't know her, but when you look at the career, she worked with Gielgud. You know, she worked with um, Olivier. Okay, she worked with all these people. She did films. She did television. And then, like so many people, she did about five years in Crossroads as well, playing this lovely character. This is the character who Julie Walters based Mrs. Overall on in Acorn Antiques, right? And you look at Charmy now, she's beautiful and striking. Then she puts the overalls on and stuff and then hunches over and does the proper Mrs. O. And she was still going strong, 96 years old, independent, still just exactly as she always was. She got hit by a delivery wagon whilst out doing her shopping on Monday and killed... And you go, come on, that's not on. That's not bloody fair. I've got an auntie in her nineties who's independent, drives, does everything. Mm. Yeah, it's like you know, you go around there, and she's got a garden with like, you know, paving flags going down. A bloody great big thing. Yeah, and she, she bloody scrubs all that. You're like, I wouldn't do that now. No, absolutely not. Oh no, I've been doing that all morning. What? Made of sterner stuff, these people oh, born in the born in the nineteen twenties. I mean, whoa. it's crazy, isn't it? It it's is. Crazy. It is. But uh, anyway, yeah. that's my other nice thing. I finally bit the bit the what's the bit the bullet and got myself the Avengers. Right. Not- okay. Hold that fox. I've got to have a piss, and I, I do. I do. Um, I do want to talk to you about this because there have been developments. So we're going to have to take a piss break. I'm afraid so. I don't know about you, but when I have a wee and yeah. I'm not well, I don't enjoy it very much. You know, like sometimes when you, you have a proper piss and it's yeah. like a piss that could sink a thousand ships when oh, you're I... feeling healthy. But when I'm ill, it's just like... Ugh. It hurts just like, with this. It hurts it with hurts. this. It hurts. I don't like, like oh, that. Man. No. I don't like the fact that it hurts. No, it's just like you look at it and it's like... It's, like, it's not a proper piss even. It's like your body's just going... Ugh. Just no. expel it. Yeah. It's not a proper wee. No, Didn't it's not. But nothing's one. proper at the minute. No, Ill. it's not. And that was quite complicated because yesterday I took possession of my first pair of check trousers. Oh. Now, this is as I as I sort of uh, move gracefully into my leonine middle age. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of, I don't know. I'm sick of wearing jeans. You know mm. what I mean? And you go out the shop and that, and you're like, I'm not ready for the Victor Meldrew kecks. There's just no. absolutely no way I'm ever, ever going to wear them. No. Well, hang on. What, what do you mean by Victor Meldrew kecks? Well, the sort of, uh, you know, <coughs> slacks. Right, okay. Um, you know, you, sort of thing. Um, I suppose these are more sort of nylon-y looking bastards, really. Oh, no. No, I don't um, know. But I've sort of, I know that you often seen in Czech trousers. I like me checks. I like me, me colours. Mm. Essentially, my wardrobe is. It looks like I've murdered uh, Michael Portillo and stolen his outfits. And I'm happy with that. I am happy to move towards that. Well, it's kind of you know. I wouldn't go that far. 
I wouldn't. I, I couldn't pull off the waistcoat look and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, I'm certainly not going to sit there and look. Hey, we're dressed the same, Paul. No, that would be odd. That would be. <laughs> odd. However, I saw a pair yesterday in the chat. In fact, this entire ensemble is charity shop yesterday. Mm, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, four quid for the jumper, which mm, is kind of puts one in mind of uh, survivors. Survivors, actually. Yeah, a little bit. It does. Bit. Yeah. And and these buggers, and I like the look of these. Oh, look. Can you see them? Oh, I like those. Yeah, they're all right, aren't they? They're all right. Um, they're decent. But the button arrangement. Mm. Now, this is the thing. And, and they're not as generous in the trouserage area. No. And they're not like jeans are. No. No. So I'm not entirely certain. And I'm certainly not comfortable with that. You know what I mean? No. Because... You know. They they do take a while to get used to yeah. once you leave jeans. But then once you've left jeans for a while, I've not worn a pair of jeans now for about two years. And the other day, the, the purples were in the wash, the checks were in the wash. I need to go to the shops, put some jeans on. I've never been less comfortable in my life. Awful, cold, you, cardboard, nonsense. I yeah, hate you, jeans you, now. You'd look like Dennis. I never thought Dennis Waterman wore a jean convincingly. No, he didn't. No. You know what I mean? Because you'd see Dennis Waterman on things, and he was always mm. in a suit, weren't he? I can mm. imagine he spent his entire life in sort of like, you know, smart casual. Yes, I think so. Then but when he's Teddy McCann in them jeans... Doesn't work. Don't work. Don't and, work um, at all. I'd like, don't like to... I'm, I'm looking at gene alternatives. I think that's a wise decision to make at this stage of life. Yeah, yeah. And it, to be quite honest with you, it's only due to sort of past poverty. It's not... Yeah. Never been a choice. No, no, it was no, just absolutely like you can get a pair not, of jeans I, for nine quid. Yeah, I think you get to that point in life where you just can't wear jeans anymore. And it's not because of age, because I'm sure lots of people who are well into their 70s these days wear age. That's fine. But I think it comes to a point where you just realise that jeans no longer <coughs> suit. Mm. <coughs> yeah, I think that is they the did conclusion. In, they did in my youth. I used to have a full denim sort of like look. I had the jacket. I had the jeans. I wore jeans. We're talking about, you know, maybe well a few years ago, I suppose. Quite a few. Yeah, I don't remember seeing you in jeans. No, no, no. I haven't Actually. worn them for a very long time. Shock. You're a, f a fan of the jumbo cord, though, aren't you? I do love a cord. Mm. Oh, it's the... Oh, I don't know what it is about them. It's the feel when you sort of, like, touch your own leg and you go, that's an interesting leg. Mm. It's yes. sort of the ripple of the, of the cord. Mm. It's like, yes. The cord. Yes, I appreciate that. I don't know if I'll ever move back to the card. I wore a lot of cards as a kid. They were made by a company called Caribou. Mm. Now, I don't know if that was a famous company or whatever. No, I had Caribou cards. Yeah, yeah. I remember them. Yeah. Uh, so I had them. I don't know if I can ever make the step back. I don't know. Ooh, well, you know, sure. you've gone for the, the check, check, dear. The check track, well, they were four quid. Mm. So, you know, let's have it right. Mm. Um, and there's, a, there's... So... Yeah, th this is why the piss was so complicated. Unlike right. jeans, there's like an inside button, then a yes. hook thing, <coughs> and then another button. That's right, yes. What's that all about? These are proper gentlemen's trousers. This is for a gentleman who's considering the piss, not just saying, hey, ah. I have a piss. You know, you're not having a common piss like a member of the cast of Brookside here. There you go. Are they whacking out and piss? You're not doing that. So you've got you two are... buttons to yes. choose before. It's like, hang on, do I want to piss on the first button? Precisely. And you've the got to consider this. Like... 
I well, put you're it not going to be stood to... in the middle of the street considering this. You're going to be by the urinal. Well, I mean, I think it comes down to planning. I think it also probably comes down to a time when a gentleman would have had his batsman with him who would have assisted with these things. Do you think it's to, <laughs> do you think it's to deter pissing? Um, just casual pissing. Yeah, because you don't right. want that, do you? A casual piss is almost as bad as an ill piss, isn't yeah. it? Because you go, do I need one? Uh, I may as well. Chaps now, you and I stand in the lab just chatting to each other and pissing and not appreciating its sort of ceremony. Precisely, that's it. Now, you and I both know the satisfaction of a proper piss. Proper piss, yeah. Now, course. I find in the mornings before I have to go to work, you know, I have two pisses. And then I've got an hour journey. So I've got to make sure that I'm not going to need the lavatory on the way. So but that means by the time I'm at a toilet, I know that I've got a good hour during which the morning coffee has built up and fermented and it's ready. And then I can have a proper piss. Yeah. I like that. But because of that, I know I'm going to have to cope with the trousers. So I allow adequate time. Right. Okay. So this is... This is... Yeah, I see what I mean. This is part of a proper, properly uh, time-managed chaps. Yes. Uh, considerations before this leaving is the it. house. You can't imagine someone like Patrick McNee would have just had a casual piss. No he chance. No, he Absolutely only had one a day, not. didn't he? One a day, I think. Made it count. It. Made it count. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, that's it. No, I've had the piss tomorrow for the next one. Yep. Yeah. I imagine... On the first series of The Avengers, you'd have had Henry just pissing constantly like a horse. You just sat at the desk. Yeah. Just, just a scotch at one end. Yeah. Just... Down the scotch, put the glass under there. There you go, Patrick, I've done another one. I've oh, poured you, you one. Yes. Whereas McNee was, oh, I've not due one until tomorrow at five. Due <laughs> one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... This brings us to an important nexus point. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about Tom Baker again soon. We might, yeah. Um, Avengers. So, in Cash Converters yesterday, and it weren't that, there was a box set of DVDs of the Avengers. Right. And they, were kind of, they looked crap, though. They looked like an Austin Powers thing. Yeah. You know, like all that's... that flower power crap. I hate all yeah. that. Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. They, they were released by Studio, Studio Canal with these sort of like in those sets. Right, this was like a sets. box. Oh. This was a box that was ripped at one end. Mm. Immediately. Uh, you like, mm, don't know mm. about that. You know, what kind of person would rips these things? They could have done anything to those discs. Oh, I Certainly. Mm. So there's that. Mm. There's the sort of, you know, flower power shit going on mm. on it. And, right, so, I'm guessing that that's... A studio canal thing. I think it's one of those where the spines all make a picture up. Oh, right, yeah. 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 Right, so discounting that, what is yeah. that? All right, so what this is, is every episode of The Avengers, apart from the one they found a couple of years ago, which has got a separate release. So it's, uh, where are we? A hundred and thirty... Oh, God, I don't know. 160 episodes or something. See, that looks stylish. That oh, looks yes. really nice. Are they DVDs or Blu-rays? DVDs. Now, that you can get the Blu-rays, but only of the ones they made on film. So the first three series, which are um, Ian Hendry, Honor Blackman, you can't get those on... They'd have to be upscaled and vid-fired and all that sort of stuff. So it's all DVDs. And I'm fine with that, because when it comes to the Avengers... And let's just be clear here. We're not talking about that Marvel film series. 
Oh, fuck yeah, no. Absolutely not. Dreadfulness. I've never it, seen it, but oh, what, is, what is that? It's superheroes, isn't it? You know, like Iron Man and... and but all in a gang. Yeah, Spider-Woman or something. A piss no. mountain. And they all... I don't know what it is. And they all fight CGI. Shite. No. Not interested. So, I don't mind it being just on the DVD. Because I've not got much of an interest in the series as it goes on. I love the early ones. Which are done live. You know, they aren't recorded in advance, the very early ones. They are actually live. So the running times are all over the place. I watched one this morning, which is 56 minutes. So it's a good sort of like six, seven minutes longer than it should have been. <laughs> um, with Jeffrey Palmer at one point. forgetting Jeffrey to. Palmer. Yeah, there's a lovely point where they've clearly set a camera up to show you a shot of something really important, and then Palmer just moves it far too soon, so you just cut to a shot of his crotch uh, as he moves this prop out of shot. But there we go, it was live. Um, when it goes to the Diana Rigg ones, and it goes on film, and then Linda Thorson, that, to me, those are being made for the American market. Mm. And the whole thing there is, hey, aren't the Brits quaint? Let's have some, some quaint, quaint stuff going on. But I and think I'm... with McNee being kind of, wasn't he kind of like a transatlantic guy, McNee? He was, yes. You know, he, he was sort of the perfect totem mm. for that thing to revolve around. He um, was. Well, he start. I mean, he he was in either Canada or America. And then he came back just to do the Avengers. I think I'm right in saying he was about to quit acting because he was getting nothing. And then suddenly it was, Patrick, do you want to do a few episodes of this with Ian Hendry? There's an offer. So he comes back to do a few episodes, thinking his career is basically over. He's going to have to be something else. And then you get the first series of the Avengers with Hendry starring in it. And then Hendry doesn't come back for series two. And suddenly it's just McNee's series. And... As it goes through these first few episodes, we go from he's wearing um, a very standard Sorry, that, hat. That gas lamp's just oil lamp's just flashing. It's dead distracting for viewers. Hang on. Right. Okay. You Shall I it? keep talking to the? Yeah, viewers? yeah, yeah. Well, hang on, because I'll be back in a sec. Can you see it flashing away? I can see it. Like flashing, a Belisha yeah. beacon. Hang on. Like a lighthouse. I rather like it. Well, I'll, I'll keep talking. So you get Ian Hendry in those first couple of series. Um, and Hendry's not completely pissed at the time. I'll tell him this in a minute to save him the edit. But he's not pissed all the time, which is key. Here he comes. Sorry. So about I was that. just saying, just saying to the boys and girls. So you get Hendry in that first series. And he's, he's still not, doing it. It is. It's all right. Is the it? Victorians wouldn't have complained, would they? I was just thinking of people watching it on YouTube. Both of them oh. might get annoyed by it. You oh, know. I think they'll cope. All right, go ahead. I think they'll cope. You get this first series then. Hendry leading in it. And it's, you know, straightforward spy stuff. Um, and it's born from a series called Police Surgeon, which uh, is a weird series. So it's Sidney Newman comes up with a vehicle for Ian, which is Police Surgeon. But they have an actual police surgeon who is working on the show as a script advisor. But then the actual police surgeon, who's anonymous, because they don't want, you know, he doesn't want people to know that he's giving away the trade secrets, then gets a bit demanding. I want to write it as well. But he's just a doctor. And they're like, well, no, mate, you can't write it. <laughs> oh, right. Well, you can't use any of my ideas then. So no. And they're like, oh, shit. What do we do? What are we going to do here? Right. So there is a six week stoppage. And in that six weeks, we've got Hendry. 
we need to create something brand new. So we'll keep him as a doctor, as he was in Police Surgeon, and we'll give him a sidekick, and we'll go more towards spies. And it's in six weeks they come up with the concept of the show. Um, but then Hendry only does the first series because there's a, there's a strike, there's an equity strike, which pulls it off her. And then when it comes back, Hendry's moved on to films and stuff like that. So it becomes uh, Patrick McNeer's vehicle. But, uh, lovely, lovely stuff. But the, the original early stuff on video that is live, the cast are clearly knackered doing it. It goes out at 10 o'clock of an evening as well. It's not like they're doing this at 8 o'clock and then going to the bar. They are doing wow. it live at 10 at night. It's like, oh, that wow. would have been hard. So Ugh. that's the one to buy that you've got there then? Okay. It is. It is. That's yeah. the complete, complete set. Yeah. Is that a network one as well? No, no, that's Studio Canal as well. Oh, um, okay. Network, as I found out this week. We should tell the boys and girls about this then. Um, I've I've often berated people. When I used to berate people on, on uh, social media, one of my key things I used to find infuriating was the fact that people would just go, all right, I just pirated these things. It's not going to hurt anyone, is it? And it turns out it did. Um, Network um, discovered that someone was pirating their works and selling them for a fiver here and there. This bloke who Trading Standards tracked down had 47,000 different titles available. So a lot of it was Network stuff. Network contact Trading Standards, but the dent in what Network were doing was huge, and that is ultimately why Network went bust. Well, those now, runs must only be, what, a couple of thousand or something yeah, anyway? that's it, yeah. They're so well, niche. I mean, with the cross, the big old Crossroads set, that was a thousand. Done. That was yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, their profit was being absolutely destroyed by this fella, by this one bloke, 72-year-old man copying everything and just selling it at knockoff prices. So he had a um, website, presumably, he was doing all this. Thing. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because uh, there's loads um, of websites up and down that, you know, the likes of... Oh, man, I can't remember. There was a few websites, weren't there, for British Archive stuff that people had got off VHS and stuff like yeah. that, stuff that weren't available. Um, and we both downloaded lots of stuff there because it's not yeah. available you can't buy it it's just yeah. people grabbing the you know vhs of comic relief or whatever it might be and it's like here you go and exactly. it's like nice one love to see yeah. that again and there's websites out there that are selling all the stuff that you could download that was just people sharing yeah so i'm wondering That's if right. he's one of those guys if if he was brazen enough it may have been originally, but then he was also getting hold of network stuff, copying it and flogging it. No, I mean, if he was brazen enough to be doing this online. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Yeah, Because where proper. else would a net? You know what I mean? A, a typical network buyer, mm. uh, like you or I, you yeah. know exactly what you're getting. You do. Don't you? You kind of either get it from the website, join a sale, I have to be honest, because yeah. we're all made of money, yeah. um, or you get it off Amazon or wherever. Yeah, that's um, right. But there was also, you know, film and film and TV collectors furs. They're still a thing. He was selling at those and that sort of thing. And one oh, thing that, right. yes, it's, it's that sort of thing. And of course, apart from the fact that we know we were going to get a Sweeney Blu-ray, shut you know, up. Yeah, we were going to get it. that. The I'd other thing about that for two minutes, please. The other thing be putting that out. The other thing that we know they were working on was a complete Blu-ray remastered set of the new Avengers. Oh. Never going to be seen now. 
Well, you don't know, do you? I mean, there's a number of companies out there now who are doing great stuff. Ten Acre springs to mind immediately. Well, Ten Acre are doing brilliant work with books. I was having a chat with Stuart about something yesterday, about a little idea with him. Brilliant stuff with books. When it comes to actually getting the rights to things, they cost so bloody much to put out. So Network had got this lovely wraparound deal with ITV that meant that they weren't faced with these huge problems. Um, and... God no, knows someone, how they did it. If a project's near enough complete or is completed, you buy the whole project, don't you? Well, you can buy the project. There is still that bloody question of the rights. Now, I know, for example, with Network, say, take, for example, right back to Crossroads, there's a reason why it's not picked up um, by uh, Talking Pictures TV or anything, and it's because ITV categorised the archive into category A, B, C, and D. Category A being the most expensive, right? That's your Coronation Street and that sort of thing. And for some reason, with the under this old system, which dates back to the 90s, Crossroads is Category A, their most important and expensive stuff. It's really not treated like that. So Network had come up with a deal so that they were able to release this stuff that is not able to even be shown. And that's the sad thing. The deal they had with ITV was stunning. And they'd just gone into one with the BBC. That's not an easy thing to replicate. Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's just a sad story full, at full stop, isn't it? It is, found a dying like that. It is, yeah. Poor you know. Tim Beddows dies and then the company follows soon after. It's a shame. Indeed well, there we it go. is. Indeed yeah. it is. So uh, we've not talked much about Tom Baker. Tom Baker. Got a fair uh, bit for our we standards. We did, did a fair bit by our standards, yeah. yeah. But we wish him a happy 90th birthday. My we God, do. what a hero. He oh. can't do Angry Tom anymore on those big finishes, can he? No. I do wonder if that is, you know, he sort of talks, doesn't he, in some of his interviews about how he's uh, dealt with aggression and anger over mm. the years. I do wonder if he's like, no, I don't do that anymore. You know, do you know what I mean? If he's sort of entered this Padmasambhava type existence, mm. you know, as a well, sort you... of very zen, he doesn't want to get angry. Yeah, because when you watch him on some of those little outtakes that exist from when he's doing who? Stroppy. Oh, so stroppy. There's a lovely one where you just hear someone off camera going, should we do it again? Why? Well, we think we might have heard a door closed. Oh, fuck whoever banged the door. What could be important about closing a door in a sodding scene? You know, yeah. Real anger. Yeah. But fair enough. You know, I, I don't know. That's, that's a guess. Oh, oh mm. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he did. As yeah. he sort of points out, doesn't he? It's kind of like, it wasn't silly fantasy to him. It was oh, real. Oh, no. It was real. Absolutely. You know. I was Doctor Who. He, he was, though. And he still was. is. Still is. Let's Absolutely. be honest. He I is. Mean, Out of all of them, he is. I've never really, you know, encountered, certainly online, someone who just seems to, people have nothing but love for him. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Which is quite astounding when you consider his upbringing and his origins and all mm. of that. For him to have achieved, I mean, that's what comes through when you read his autobiography. It's, it's kind of, he was doing this. He had some spark within him, and from the earliest age, he's you know it's like that uh, where he's talking about uh, when during the war he grew up during World War Two, didn't he? Mm. Born in 1934, mm. and um, he's saying they were all they were going around the class asking them all what they wanted to be, and he said, "Please, miss, I want to be an orphan." Yeah, 
and he's honest he's just saying because all you know kids whose parents have been bombed out they got chocolates from america and signed pictures and yeah and all this and he wanted the goodies yes. as he puts it yeah. so he's obviously somebody who's always kind of wanted to transcend whatever his situation is i mean you read that book he wanted to get out of liverpool he mm. want then he wanted to get out of the church mm. then he wanted to get out of his marriage and yeah. become an actor he says yeah. in the book doesn't he, he said they had a couple of actor friends come over that's right yeah. um and he, he they obviously like having a chat and he's like yeah i want i actually want to do that so he then goes where does he train do you know what? I was worried you were going to ask me. Is it central? No, it's not. It's Rose Bruford. Yeah, it's one of the bigger. Rose, it's Rose Bruford. So he gets he in to, the, yeah. must have been mid to late 20s. He's done mm. the Merchant Navy. He's done his national service. Mm. He's done the church. And then he just, he just keeps pushing on, you know? Yeah, that's it. He's down in London as the friend of Francis Bacon and all these people who, I should imagine, were quite discerning with the company they kept. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so his obvious intellect mm. endeared and then, to them. And, and I suppose that. he is famous. Well, yes, there is that. But yeah. at some point he wasn't, of course. And we get his first telly, which is 1968, when he does a Dixon of Doc Green. Of course, mm. that doesn't exist anymore. But he also does an episode of George and the Dragon with Peggy Mountain, Sid James. He's a scouser in that, isn't he? He's He is. He works on a railway, as I recall. Yeah. I haven't watched it in years. But you know what? To go in there at the start of your career with Peggy Mount and Sid James, and he acts them both off the screen, you are fully watching Tom. You're not watching Sid James, for God's sake. You're watching Tom. Yeah. That's that's quite something really. That's amazing. But he's honest as well in the book that it's kind of not this upward trajectory, is it? I mean it's kind of he's going he gets seen by Pasolini and ends up in uh Canterbury Tale, is it? Canterbury Tales he does, yeah. He does that. Um so and you've then got he does that. Rasputin. But these uh, are all just blips. I mean, when he was cast as who, he was a role. Working worker. on a building site. Yeah. 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 And you've got those wonderful photos of him with the other builders. And as he says, we swore eternal friendship and I never saw them again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's the intellect there. I mean, the insight with comments just like that that he throws away in the book. Mm. But, I mean, didn't he write to the wife of the head of drama? He did. Bill Slater. Um, he wrote so he's, to... he's never stops. He yeah. never stops pushing. And it was pure chance at that point that Barry Letts was looking mm -hmm. for... A new for a replacement for John Pertwee, and again by pure chance that day, the I think it's the Golden Voyage of Sinbad that he's in, and it was showing at the Gaumont, uh, and so Terence Dix and Barry Let's go and have a look, and they're like that's okay, so let's get him in, and there's the job. There's but it's just... that saying, isn't it? You know, the hard I find the harder I work, the more luck I have. Mm, so yes. he obviously you know he's there he's doing his building site thing and he talks doesn't he about how depressed he was and how you know he's by this point he's what 40 40 40 he'd have been yes 40 yeah he'd have been 40 when he gets that job and he's you know he's kind of he's working on a building site he's i think he's got a room isn't he in like so, someone's house in a room and mm. he writes this letter you know in desperation as he puts it yeah. And there you are. I mean, 
it's astonishing really and then the stories about when they were traveling across the country weren't they and they knocked on someone's house and asked if they could watch doctor who with them that's right yeah you know and he sat with some kids in their mm. own house who were just like i mean nowadays you'd be like click it would be on social media look doctor who is sat next to me watching i mean that'd be the biggest gloat of the year mm. it um, would and yet at the end of the day he was fired from that role you know, which is, there's so much stuff talked about how he left. Well, straight from the horse's mouth, pretty much here, I chatted to someone who worked at the BBC, who was a friend of Tom. She worked on some of the Doctor Whos he was in, and she saw him that day. And she just very openly says, oh, he was sacked. Simple as that. And she uh, said he was sacked because JNT fancied Peter Davison and wanted him to do the role. And she's just that that was the case. That's what it was. Wow. Mm. He it was time for him to go though. Yeah, seven years. I, I think that uh, Pat Troughton's words always ring around my head. Don't do anything more than three years. That was yeah. his advice to Davison, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, never yeah. do anything more than three years. And that seems to be a great rule of thumb that because yeah, but... you don't exhaust anyone's patience anyone's familiarity your own capabilities and let's be honest after three years in a role you can do everything in your sleep you can and then it's a case of you need to be challenged everyone needs fresh challenges that's true yeah um that but i mean true. obviously you know what he chose to do next he doesn't regard it as a smart move the sherlock holmes Not what is all. it he always drops in you know my performance as described by the daily express or something like that he gives his worst review doesn't he he does yeah and to be fair when you watch it there is an element where i actually love it i, I think love it's it a, i think it's fantastic the watson but, and i love the actor but it's dreadful it was it terence, uh, terence rigby terence rigby i love terence rigby he's fantastic in airline mm. uh, amongst other things but I, what you'd add is you'd add a complete re-establishing of what who Watson is in the Granada mm. series. Yeah. Because it's very clear from the first pages of A Study in Scarlet when you're reading those first lines about Watson. And it's just like, this is a very bright guy. And as mm. someone pointed out, I think it was Brett in an interview, why would Holmes hang around with a fool? Yeah. There's no way mm. that he would. No. So in that, you've got, ooh, you astonish me, Holmes. But you've, you've got, got that. kind of that. And it's the same thing that affects the um, the Ian Richardson, the American PBS mm. movies from the 80s. Yeah. You've got this bumbling, you know. Yeah. So there's that, that kind of... I think with Holmes and the depiction in media, you've got pre and post Brett. Yeah. And, and I don't think after a certain point you can get away with it. And it's why I've never really enjoyed the Basil Rathbone films. I know you love them. Well, of course, I'm related, you know. Slightly. I know, I know, but you there also you also like them. I do like them. Yeah, I, I, there's a coziness to them. I, but I, I don't know. I that. I remember watching them when I was a kid with my granddad. That sort of thing. Friday so evenings, wasn't it? That's BBC it. Two. Yeah, BBC Two. So yeah. I do remember them from that. But since you very generously gave me that box set, and I've just been plodding away, just treating myself to the occasional homes. Mm. I'm not gorging them, the Jeremy Bretts. I want to make these last. No, you do, actually. Oh, it's my God. I mean, that is just 
wonderful stuff. Wonderful yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's a, a superb series. But you can see how, in contrast to that, the BBC's kind of um, anachronistic, antiquated, whatever. You can. And I think you can also to... see that when, the, you know, Tom, to an extent, he's sort of gone, okay, Holmes, I can do that. And he does phone it in a bit. Mm. And I think that shows in scenes where you've got Caroline John who comes in, you know, who was a stunning actress, someone who we don't talk about enough no, she in was the brilliant. industry. She was magnificent. She was What's and the she... Shakespeare one that you can watch with her in? Oh, is it Taming of the Shrew? I don't I think. know which one it is, but it's like, whoa. She just oh, she's it. she's brilliant. Um, and when she's in the scenes with Rigby and Baker in that mm. Holmes, she acts the pants off them mm. you don't look at them you look at her no. you know um, but it, it is it's your traditional Sunday BBC classic serial you know it's Barry Letts and mm. Terence Dix it's you know what you're going to get but also for Holmes Hound of the Baskervilles is always a baffling choice because he's not in the great majority of the book mm. it's a strange one isn't it it is one to choose I mean they did finally do it uh, Brett and Hardwick mm. but then I was just thinking the other day, I saw something and it was just like The Last Vampire. Now, you won't have seen that one yet. No. And that's Roy Marsden. Oh. It's the the final run of two-hour movies they make. Robert Hardy oh. as Charles Augustus Milverton in The Master Blackmailer. Mm. Um, Roy Marsden in, well, the, the book is The Sussex Vampire. Mm. But this is called The Last Vampire. There's some really, really brilliant casting in there as well. And in the final season, um, which one is it now? I know it's the book is The Three Garadebs, partly. But he's got Kenneth Connor in it. And oh. he's great. He's Kenneth just Connor's great. Late period Kenneth Connor. Yeah. You know what he was sort of... I mean, as Uncle Sammy, they were, they were colouring him up, weren't they? And giving mm. him lots of rouge so he looked younger. Yeah. But in the homes, it's 70 odd year old Kenny Connor. And, oh, he's, Kenny. he's just a lovely little old bloke, you know what I mean? He's brilliant oh, in it. Lives with his best. two sisters mm. who just henpeck him to death. So mm. you've got that lovely, you know, put upon Kenneth Cope that he does. Yeah. Oh, you know? wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. <sighs> Connor, not Cope. Yes. I can't cope with this leggy. No, it's horrible, this, mate. I need a Lemsip. Yes, you need that Lemsip lift. I had the Lemsip lift this morning. It conveyed me to Morrison's. Yes. Where I bought the last of the sirloin. Yeah, I missed out on the sirloin. I've got to get myself a Morrison's card. You have? I, I have to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Why haven't you got one? You're always in Morrison's. I don't know. I'm always in Morrison's. I've been shopping at the same Morrison's for 20 years now. And it's like, what, what, what am I doing? They have my cut I... of meat ready on the counter when I walk in. Oh, that sounds nice. The queue behind me today, because they're all there for steak Saturdays. Now, I normally get there early, but I'm ill. Mm. So I only got there about 10 o'clock. Yeah. And um, so I, um, I got there, and the butcher, yeah. me mate, he's like, oh, no sirloin. I was like, but surely I can see sirloins there. And like, oh, they're cutting to steaks. You like a lump. I was like, no, steaks. <laughs> How many do you want? Ten. <laughs> <coughs> it's two weeks, nearly food. Yeah. Hmm. So I took ten. And there was a queue behind me. 
Two people took a kilo of filler. Is this interesting? I don't know. It is to me. <laughs> and everyone behind me, the, he's like that. No sirloin. I was like, and I just, you know, I, I didn't turn around. I was, no. I didn't, you know, the temptation, uh, like Lot's wife fell prey to, yes. to turn around. No, I kept no. walking. I, I headed wise. straight for the Gouda. Yes. No. No, no, that was a wise move, I feel. Yes. You must get yourself a more card. I must do. I will. I will I've, I've realised I've forgotten to get a few things because I'm not well. We'll do it in store. So I shall do it whilst I'm there and pick one up. Go down the meat counter, right? Mm. You don't need to get the sirloin. Other steak is available. Okay, well, we'll do that then. Ribeye's nice. I'll give that a shot, actually. I'm mm. thinking about that. They Normally do it. it's Anyway, fish I'm getting Saturday. into... We're talking meat. And Morrison's. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway. If they want us to do that, they can pay. So, yes, 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 yes. Sponsored yes. by Morrison's Meat Counter. Yes. Well, on the whole, we haven't mm. talked much about Tom Baker, but I think there's a few nuggets in there. Oh, I think so. There's enough. Generous, rich sixpences in our Christmas pudding. There we go. Right. Yes. Okay, yes. then. You need a lem sip. Yes. Uh, you need some survivors. I do. Yes. I actually do. I lit the fire. I've been lighting the fire in the morning when I get up these last few days. Oh, lovely. Oh, yes. Languid as Nero, lying in front of it, <laughs> sipping lem sip. What more could you want? Oh, it was wonderful. Right. It'll well, be. we all... Right. We all... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, man. <coughs> I, I hate you for giving me this illness. It has nothing to do with me. We know who this is from. Mm, we do. Uh, People coming into work ill. Yes, there ought to be a law it. against it. That really should, you know. Anyway, anyway, so we hope you all enjoyed whatever that was, and we hope you all have a nice week ahead. And yeah. until the next time, goodbye. Brandy and Cavonia. That's the plan now, mate. Just get the Cavonia down. Cheerio. I like cough mixture. It's tasty, mm. isn't it? Feels like it hurts. The oh. most effective one I ever got was called Potter's Vegetable Cough Remover. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Did you buy this in Narnia? No, I know. Yeah, off off Mister Mister Thomas. Yeah. Um, no, he used to sell it in Holland and Barrett. It's a oh. little company called Potters in Wigan mm. who do who did because you can't buy it anymore. Can't buy them. Uh. They do a cough mixture, but they don't do vegetable cough remover. And whatever vegetable cough remover had in it, literally, <laughs> I had a cough once. I still had it in March. It was just like, this cough's never going. Bottom of that, gone. Do you ever like the raspberry stuff when you were a kid? Oh, I love that stuff. Mm. I can't get that now. I follow Codeine. Codeine. Oh, right. We were well smacked off our tits on that as kids. I used to gulp it from the bottle. Yeah, I do that now, but happier for it. (laughs) (laughs) Brendan Cavonia, please, Lamb. Right then, he said goodbye. Are we still going? We're still. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I didn't right. say goodbye. You all, oh. you held up the Cavonia. Which, if you remember, the advert used to have Ainsley Harriet on it. Is uh, Harriet or Harriet? Ha- Ainsley ha- Harriet, Ains- isn't it? Ainsley, what was his name? Chester, Chester Harriet, Harriet. No, yeah. Harriet. I don't know. Ainsley used Ainsley. to do the advert, mm. and it used to be like Cavonia or whatever, and then it used to end with. Fuck offs. <laughs> <laughs> I always like that. The fuck offs advert. <coughs> so anyway, we best fuck mm. off. So until next week, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
Nice Things, The Antidote to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.